You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Jesus, <laughs> not only when the glory's in the room, is there nothing else that's needed, but I get really messed up. <laughs> oh, man, he sure is good. And we just got back from a leadership retreat we do once a year, and we go out to Camp Allendale and we really focus in on the word retreat and don't do, uh, I don't think we didn't do any, any teaching. We did a lot, of, a lot of worship and in time for encounters and, and vision casting. And, and we played this game uh, called Bazooka Ball. Has anybody ever played Bazooka Ball? No? It's, uh, they use paintball guns. You guys familiar with paintball guns? Have CO2 cartridges on them? So they use paintball guns, but they put this plastic end cap almost looks like a fake silencer I'm sorry suppressor <laughs> and you can only put one ball in at a time like a muzzle loader and poof, shoots man it's fun so it's a nerf ball it's not you know it's not it doesn't hurt as bad as paintball and it's not as messy so can can I tell you about this this group of, of pastors and leaders that you have when they get a bazooka ball gun in their hand there is no mercy. <laughs> All mercy and compassion has left the building. <laughs> it's no holds barred. You're, you're going down. <laughs> and uh, I think we all found out what kind of shape we're in, too. <laughs> Running around that room. <laughs> And this, these curtains that you could had different things you could hide behind. At one point, this big curtain, I'd, I'd slid in behind it and just fell down. <laughs> had to get a breather. We were close to, I don't know how many games in we were. Probably not enough for me to feel like that, but <laughs> I won't tell you what we all looked like when we woke up the next morning. We were trying to walk around. <laughs> Man, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. They said it's team building exercise. I'm not entirely. <laughs> I, I think I actually think that you will you will find out some things within the Zoom ball <laughs> about yourself. <laughs> Man, it was good. Does anybody have unex, unexplainable pain in their body? Unexplainable, unexplainable pain in your body? You got pain? Anybody got unexplainable pain in their body and they want to be healed? <laughs> do, 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 do you? I'm sorry, I don't know your name yet. <laughs> You're good. He's eating a donut. <laughs> no, no, both, of, both of them? You both got pain? Yeah. 
We can we can pray, definitely pray for her too. Let's let's pray for for these people in a room first, and then tell me her name. Sam. Easy to remember. So everybody that's got pain in your body that's unex, unexplainable, like you haven't been diagnosed or anything like that, I want you to stand up real quick. Anybody else? Any other takers? Okay, y'all just agree with, let's just all agree in prayer. I just felt like you're supposed to invite the Holy Spirit to come and, and then we'll, we'll check it out. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now. We thank you for bringing healing to every person's body right now in Jesus' name. We command every bit of pain to completely leave in the name of Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit, for enforcing the victory in these bodies. Thank you for healing the source of the pain right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for every bit of it as it dissipates, just disappearing and completely leaving forever. Thank you for it com being completely gone and not coming back. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. And thanks for full, full functionality in the areas where the pain has been, too. Yeah, thanks for full range of motion, full functionality, uh, all strength coming back now in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you, Father. I want you to check your body out real quick and tell me if it's 50% or more healed. Is it, is it different? You feel a difference? 50% or more better. Raise your hand if it is. We got one. We got two. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus. What is it? Is it more than fifty percent better? Is it? Is it gone? Not quite gone, but almost gone. Okay. Fifty percent. Okay. Barbie's who? The in the the whole row, half the row in the back. Is it anybody completely pain free? Not completely pain free yet. Let's let's pray one more time. Okay. Because he started something, he's going to finish. So thanks, Jesus, right now for, uh, thanks for all the rest. Of, thanks for what you're doing. We just thank you. We just bless what you're already doing. We thank you for it right now. Yeah, thanks for the rest of it going. Yeah, thank you for the rest of it leaving right now. Thank you for the source of the pain being healed. Yeah, thank you, Father, for, for releasing your love into these, these sons and daughters for the rest of it going. We just release your peace. Right now, in Jesus' name, your shalom. Yeah, your shalom. Thank you, Jesus, for all the rest of this going for complete healing now. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, thanks for the burden of carrying this physical pain to being lifted off right now. Yeah, thank you. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, thanks for Sam, too, and complete healing in Sam's body. We just come into agreement with your, uh, your healing power invading Sam's body. In the name of Jesus, we thank you from head to toe that every bit of terminal illness would completely leave. Yeah, we just release your presence into Sam's body in the name of Jesus for all of it to leave right now. We thank you, Father, for to thank you for the miracle that's needed right now in Jesus' name. Thanks for resurrection power coming right now in this moment. In the name of Jesus, thanks, Lord. Amen. Amen. How do you guys feel? What? Anybody pain-free? You good, Nick? 
good? Yes? Seriously, you guys are pain-free. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Barbie, you still got some pain? So a little bit, we we'll just believe, well, we'll just uh, really probably just slide her hand over right there, right there, <laughs> and just hold it there and not say anything. We'll just be gone before service is over, and we'll believe that for anybody that's still got any pain left, just it'll be dissipate, and for those that didn't even stand because it was a different condition, we're just believing for healing right now for whatever you got going on. So thanks, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Keep us posted on Sam, too, please. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Jesus. And I just, I feel like there's, we're, we're not done yet. I feel like just, uh, I, I, you don't have to stand for this, but if you need, if you need heart healing, if you need healing in your, in your heart, not, not physical, well, if you need physical healing in your heart, you can take it too, but I felt like it was, it was really just hearts that, um, were not only heavy, but actually had some just emotional distress and pain and wound uh, that hasn't been completely healed yet. Uh, we just want you to put, put your hand over your heart right now. Jesus is in the business. He's, it's holistic Christianity. He's about healing the whole body, whole body, heart, soul, everything. He's in there. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and bringing heart healing right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for uh, healing trauma uh, in Jesus' name. Thank you for uh, wound, your love leaking into every wound right now and bringing wholeness to where there will, there will remain a scar to tell a testimony, but it won't hurt when it's touched. So thank you. Thank you, Father, for this being completely healed right now. Yeah, thank you. Just for your peace, your shalom, coming into the hearts, into the soul, into the emotions. Yeah, thank you for forgiveness happening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for forgiveness happening. Thank you for every person that needs it to tap into the grace to release those that have caused the pain from that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for bringing wholeness in this moment. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for replacing the pain with joy. Yeah, to liquid, liquid love and joy be mixed, mingled together for each person in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's part of life, um, so it's part of the Christian life that we, we at times get damaged, you know, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes people are malicious in doing it, I don't believe that that's, that's the, the norm, I believe that sometimes it's just, it just happens, you know, because uh, we get hurt by hurt, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. Oh, it's, it's true, um, and this is, but Jesus made a way for us to continually walk whole, not just, it, I, I know we become whole in Him, but then when something happens, it's necessary for healing to happen again, and it's something that we, we realize and, and 
walk out is that I have access to his healing love in any moment in any situation. That I can embrace that, that I can take that for myself, that it wasn't a one-shot deal, but uh, the, the blood that was shed at the cross is for, for our wholeness, for the wholeness of humanity. And it, it's still just as powerful and it always will be as it was in that moment. And, and so it's, <clears throat> this, this is, there's a, a price to be paid on our part for remaining in wholeness or walking in wholeness. And it really is the only price that I see that we're paying is making a conscious choice of allowing him to heal me because he wants me healed more than I want to be healed. He wants me whole more than I want to be whole. And so all I have to do is make a conscious choice and say, I'll let, I'll let you love me back into wholeness in this moment. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do this. Sometimes it, it, I'll, I've, I've been in situations, maybe this has never been you, where you're like, I'm hurt and now I want to be angry for a little bit. <laughs> and that's a choice that we get to make. But it is an unfortunate choice because then that, that hurt gets on the people that are closest to us. And the person or people that caused it customarily never know. That's not every situation, but that's a good portion of it in my limited experience. And so sometimes I'll hold on to something because I feel like there needs to be justice. Right? God said, vengeance is mine. <laughs> and vengeance doesn't look like God taking them out. <laughs> I'm sorry to inform you. <laughs> I'm not saying there's an exception to some of that stuff because I've heard stories that are would go beyond that. <laughs> but justice, when I think vengeance is the Lord's, is that I come into a place of forgiveness, that I can pray for that particular person or those people the way that I pray for, for my own family, and then he crashes in with his goodness and his love, and they get transformed into everything they were created to be. And that, to me, looks like kingdom justice, because it's redemptive. <laughs> and if it's not redemptive, I have a hard time seeing that it comes from him. Does that make sense? He's, he is redemptive, and I, and I realize, I, I sympathize, and I have compassion for walking through the process of, of, of getting healing, and, and I realize that I don't know everything that's happened to you, and um, I, do have, I do have compassion for that. And just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean that you've got to be best friends again. You can still have boundaries and, not, and choose to not even be around them if that's you know, what, what you feel like you're supposed to do. Um, but, but what he really, he really wants is for us to be whole. <clears throat> you know, we, we were singing the very first, first song that we were singing, I believe it's entitled Jira. That's, that's all that they entitled it, right? And I've, I've listened to that song many times. And <clears throat> is it Chandler Moore that, that sings that song or is it somebody else? Maverick City Music, Chandler Moore, yeah. Um, I thought he was the one that led it anyway. He... Uh, when I heard that song, this is something that has challenged me over the course of my Christianity. And is he enough? Because we're declaring when we sing that you are enough. You're more than enough. And, and that sounds, sounds amazing on Sunday morning. 
<laughs> right? But I feel like God intentionally had the team sing that song, as I do with all the songs that sing, because they sing, you know, Sarah's, or her, Sarah picks the set list prayerfully. Not just because of songs that they like or songs that they want to do, but it's something that God is doing intentionally when we're making a declaration. And I believe that when we declare something like that, He's inviting us into this uh, place of actually finding out if he, is, if he is enough. Paul said in Philippians 4 that I have, you know, he's talking to the church at Philippi, and he was saying, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the, for the things that you have supplied for me. You, you've taken opportunity when I've had great need, but I want you to know that I have learned to be content in all situations. Whether I don't have anything or whether I have everything, and anywhere in between, I have actually learned to be content. And what I hear Paul saying when I hear that is that I have learned that, that Jesus is enough in every season. You know, when I started this journey out with Jesus, I had nothing. I literally didn't have anything. I had me in a Bible. I had a property box full of, you know, hygiene things and a few noodles and some peanut butter or something. Those were, those were my belongings. And, and, and I was happier and more content, more joyful than I ever had been in my entire life. I know it seems, it's, it seems crazy and a little bit sad, honestly. But I, I, lear I learned in, in that situation, in that room, to be completely not, not just content, but I was thrilled to have Jesus and Him alone. And then... You start to acquire stuff, right? And stuff's not bad. Jesus doesn't mind us having stuff. He just minds stuff having us. I mean, you ever see, you ever look at how he built the temple? He's extravagant. <laughs> like, like he's, he's, okay, he's okay with you having things, just not being tied to them, them not owning us. And so, but uh, what, what happened to, to me at one point, and, and for, and, and it wasn't even the, the acquisition or the acquiring of things. Like, it was, it was nice to have nice things. To me, it was a demonstration of his goodness, because I didn't grow up with nice things, right? And, and I had jobs, and I worked hard, and we saved money, and we tithed, and God blessed us, and He continues to, continue to tithe, continue to give, and he, he, He's blessed us. He just has. There's seasons I could tell you testimonies about that it, it made absolutely no sense, where I made less money every year uh, on, our, on our taxes. When we feel like I made less money every year for three years in a row, and we had more money in the bank than we'd ever have. And the only thing I got tied to is that it's God's goodness, and I was, we were just faithfully tithing, even when we thought... I can't do it. It doesn't look right, but I don't think about it practically because kingdom principles don't work through practical common sense, what we call common sense or, or being realistic. <laughs> God didn't call us to be realistic. He called us to be supernatural. So we continued to give faithfully because the, the standard was set by Lindsay's parents. They had given it to her and they had taught me about it and then we just we lived it out. And we did that from early on in our marriage when, you know, we didn't have anything. Savings. We're like, savings, what's that? 
<laughs> we do have a checking account, but I don't know. I'm sure there's access to savings account, but I don't have anything to put in there. <laughs> you had to be able to keep. At that time, I think now we can keep 50 bucks. I don't even think there's a limit now, but back then you had to keep at least 50 in it to keep it open. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I can't afford to keep 50 bucks over there. <laughs> I need it in the checking account. <laughs> And so we, we, we've continued to see him extravagantly bless, bless us. And, and the stuff, when, when I thought, is, is Jesus enough if I didn't have the stuff? That's easy for me. I know what it's like to not have anything. And though I, I, I rather enjoy the comforts that I have, you know, I'm an American. I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm grateful that I was born in this country. Regardless of what people may believe, I still believe it's the greatest country in the world. You go outside this, this nation into other third world countries and you'll come back and agree with me if you don't already. <laughs> and and I, I, So I'm not going to apologize for that. So it, it wasn't the stuff, but when he asks, asks us, is he enough? I began to do a self-inventory of, could I, this is a question that was asked to me over the course of ministry and said, if, if you couldn't preach the gospel, pray for the sick, uh, prophesy, stand in front of crowds, if all that had to be given up, would he still be enough? If the dream that you, you your dream, if you can... Your spouse, your kids. If all that was stripped away, would Jesus be enough? I'm not saying he's, I'm not, I'm just saying this gets us, this gets us into a place of finding out, is he literally enough for me? If it was all taken away, and I had a hard time answering that. And for years of ministry until just recently, I couldn't have answered it honestly and said yes. I could have in front of a crowd and it would have sounded spiritual and you know what I mean. But on, if, I, if I was being completely vulnerable and transparent, as I, I love to do and as you will always get from me, is that I, when I thought about it, I thought, no, I don't, he's not enough. I, I actually need to do some of that stuff. And it was convicting to me. And I believe that that's what he wanted it to be. <laughs> he, wanted to, he, wa- he wanted to get me back to the... To, to the very root of where he started me at and say, hey, hey, remember what this is really all about. It's really about me and you. And I thought, man, you're right. And now, finally, I can say that if I didn't have any of it, that he's enough. If I didn't have it all, my, hopes, my hope is not in what I get to do or even my beautiful, incredible wife or my kids or, or my friends or any of that stuff. It's, it's not a, about all that. And don't think for one second that I want to lose anything that I got. I don't. But, but he's, he's now become enough. And it took me time to get there. And when something like that, when a question, he asked me like that, he's, he's, not, he's trying, not trying to force me into an answer. He's trying to draw me deeper into a relationship. Because the deeper I go in intimacy, the more he becomes enough. I won't get that out of a book, right? 
I'll get that out of, out of being with him and seeing him as he is. Because when I see him as he is, then I realize, yeah, you actually are. You are enough for me. <laughs> you are enough for me. And I believe that one of the things that has helped me to realize that he is enough. See, what happens what happened with me in ministry, this is just for me. You apply it to your life and whatever you do, this is the only thing I can relate it to because this is what I do. Even though there have been other times in my life that I did other things leading up to this place. But now with what I do, this is the only thing I can relate it to. But what I was doing in ministry is I was actually trying to drink from those things and cause them to satisfy me. The need to prophesy, the need to see the sick healed, the need to stand in front of crowds and preach the gospel. To go out and evangelize, all that stuff. I was trying to drink from the function of ministry instead of the source of ministry. And none of that can satisfy me. And I remain thirsty and weary for many, many, many seasons because I was trying to be satisfied by the things that are around me. When Jesus had told me from the very beginning, just come to me and drink and you'll never thirst again. <laughs> But what, when, we, when we go through seasons of pain and, and prayers don't get answered or disappointment happens, and it's happened to all of us. If you've been Christian longer than 30 minutes, you know, you, you, found, you found out that, some, that prayers don't get answered the way that you want them to at times. That there's unexplainable things that I, re, I refuse to create theology of why they happened or why they didn't. It's just a mystery box that they all go in. Why people don't get healed. It goes in the mystery box. There's no theology that can explain that. I can't find it in the Bible. I put it in the mystery box. And I choose to realize that he's good in every season regardless of what happens. Because his goodness to me is not dependent on what he does for me. It's dependent on what he already did at the cross. He's good, and he's good because he sent Jesus. Period. Not comma. <laughs> I don't know a lot of punctuation, but I know that ends a sentence. <laughs> I make it real far in school, but they taught me that. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't during first period in high school. <laughs> Might have been sleeping or absent. But through, through those seasons of the disappointment and the damage and the, and the things that we go through and life happens to us and you find out that bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and, and all the craziness that's going on in the world, the temptation is, is to begin to drink from other sources. I, begin to be, I want to be satisfied with my spouse or I want my kids to satisfy me or I want my job to satisfy me or I want my dream to satisfy me or I want my other stuff. And none of those are bad things. They're all good. They're all good, but they were never meant to satisfy us. They will always leave us thirsty and weary. Because he's the only one that we are to drink from. And when we drink from him and he fully satisfies us and we know that he's enough, then we actually are able to enjoy the fullness of those other things around us. We're able to enjoy the fullness of, of our marriage, of our being able to privilege of parenting our kids, of being able to work in a place. Whether you like it or not, you're going to look at it differently when he satisfies you. 
right? You're going to see your dreams different. It ain't going to be about my dreams getting fulfilled. It's going to be about me being with you and about the journey. And if they get fulfilled, that's amazing. I'm not going to stop pursuing them. But you're going to be enough for me. I'm telling you, this is something that, that I, I was five, six years in, I into ministry and was still, I could not have answered that question. I, I, was, I was not getting it. He kept pointing me back to himself. Will you, will you just drink from me? I'm giving you, I'm giving you stuff. I'm, I'm blessed. Whatever. It's not about that. Will you just let me satisfy you? Will you just let me satisfy you? But I found in the seasons where I was the most tired, the most disappointed, where I wasn't seeing the things happen that I wanted to see happen, I was, I was finding that I was trying to, to, to make other things my God. Not intentionally. Definitely not consciously. But I, I, was, allow, I was allowing other things to, to be, be my worship. I was worshiping them. I was exalting them above and trying to drink and be satisfied through them. And, and he's so gracious, so good, so kind, so compassionate, so patient that he will just gently keep, keep pointing us back. No condemnation, no shame, no guilt. Just pointing us back and saying, just come back to me and drink. If you'll do this, I'm telling you, it's going to be so much better. It's going to be so much sweeter. Life's not going to be dependent upon what's happening to you or what's happening around you or what's happening in the world. Your joy will never never get low. It will, your hope will be high. Your, jo your joy will be overflowing. <laughs> That, that's, that's how I know I'm allowing him to satisfy me. When things happen that should, recall, re, should cause a response from me that's negative, and I actually see through a lens of hope and joy is my strength in that situation, I'm like, okay. And there's, so these are, these are markers for me. And they point and they say, oh, yeah, I am, I am drinking from you. I am allowing you to satisfy me. <clears throat> He, he's, he's not only my satisfaction, but he's the source of my value. And I've, I've found that when I allow him to define me, when I allow him to define me and I apply the correct value to my own personal life that he applied to every human life on the cross, is that it, it, it points me to him and reminds me to drink, and, and, and reminds me that I'm, actually, that I'm actually completely satisfied in Him because He's the one that created me for relationship with Him and oneness. And so when I see that value, what it reminds me of is His goodness. And it says in Romans 2.4 that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. And repentance, though it is a turning away from doing things wrong, a bigger, I don't want to say more important part, but just as important part of that word is that changing my mind. I begin to think differently. Because when I begin to think differently, I begin to choose differently. When I begin to choose differently, my behavior changes. My behavior will not change without my mind changing. I will only be able to try to follow rules if my mind doesn't change. And that's just, uh, you ever been there before? My gosh, that's a lot of work. 
And the Christian life wasn't made to be a bunch of work. It was made to be consistent, consistently believing better. When I believe better, I will, I will begin to act in the way, live out naturally the way that he, he made me to live. And so when I, believe, when, I, when I begin to believe the value that he placed on my life, it changes my mind about everything. And most, one of the most important things that changed my mind about is, is the people that are around me and the people that I run into that are strangers. Because when I realize how much he loves me and the value he placed on me, or, or I could say it like this, when I realize that I'm able to honor myself, Remember when I talked about that, and I'm going to transition into, into this culture of honor because I believe that these tie in together, is that the Greek word for honor is to fix the correct value upon. So I need to be able to fix the value upon myself because sometimes it seems easier to, to value you and devalue me because who knows there's only one person that knows me better than me, and he's Jesus. <laughs> but I know all the things that I've done wrong. I know all the poor choices that I've made over the course of life, not just life, but Christianity, right? I know all those poor choices, and then little by little, it's easy if I don't continue to believe better to think that my choices determine my value. And then I begin to devalue myself a little bit more each time I make a poor choice. Or maybe a lot of bit more, depending on how I weigh my choices. <laughs> I think that was a really bad choice, then I lost a lot more value through that one. But that's not true. You can't lose the value that he placed upon you. It's impossible. Because you didn't put it on you. <laughs> you didn't pay for it, so you, you can't give it away. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That makes me real happy. <laughs> If I, if I am going to create culture, that's, what we're, that's one of the main things I believe that we, we were created to do. If I am going to create culture around me, I'll only do it by the culture that is already on the inside of me. If I look at the culture that's in my household, within my marriage, in my relationships, in my workspace that's my cubicle or my area, if I look at that culture that's been created around me, I will find out. It will point to what's on the inside of me. It will point to what's been developed over the course of time, over my worldview, my upbringing, all the things that have happened over, you know, over the course of my life. There's been culture that's created on the inside of me. But there was only one culture that was created to live in here, and it's kingdom culture. And so that happens. Culture is developed or created on the inside of us just the way transformation of the mind happens. It's that I'm constantly getting rid of lies or things that clash with kingdom culture or things that line up with the world's culture, however you want to say it. I'm constantly getting rid of them and constantly believing better so that there is kingdom values or a culture of honor that's on the inside of me so that everywhere I go, I carry that culture. Because I, I can fake out a culture for so long, but it won't be developed. It will only be me following principles. It'll be me making the choices to try to do something. But even though self-control is a fruit of the Spirit and is vitally important in the Christian life, that there will come a time if I am 
I say this often, if I am pointed in my daily living, if I am intentional in my self-development, there will come a time, and some of you, you already get this, maybe all of you, are, there's, there's things in your life that you do naturally that are signs of what it is to be a son and daughter. It's fruit of what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. You do them naturally. You don't have to try. You just have to make a concert, conscious effort. Right? And, that, and now there's, there's love that you demonstrate and display to people that used to be really hard to do or impossible. And now you're able to do it naturally. Like it's your nature. Right? And so th- that's... We were created to live out of this thing naturally. But it does take conscious effort on a daily basis in the realm of not me trying harder as I often say, but me believing better of what are, what are the core values of kingdom culture. And when I, oh, well, this is one of them. It's the culture of honor. When I know those core values and what they entail, which we've been explaining over the last three or four weeks, then I'm able to transform my mind so that they are within me and that I will create that culture around me. Because you and I, give me a moment to explain this. You and I weren't created just to say a prayer and, and hang on till Jesus gets back. And then go to heaven to live for eternity. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't the sole purpose of Jesus dying. He went to the cross so that the whole world could be changed. That's why it says the, the earth groans waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Or sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 19. And so the whole thing is to be transformed by the sons and daughters of God. And for it to be transformed, it must first be transformed in here, inside of me. When it's transformed inside of me, it will be transformed around me. And so one of the main ways that I see of instilling king, or kingdom culture, a culture of honor inside of myself, what I've been working on in my self-development over the last handful of years, is being able to apply the correct value to myself. Of being able to believe that I'm worth what he says I'm worth. And that there isn't anything that I can do about that. (laughs) And when I say that, I mean there isn't any poor choice that can devalue me, and there isn't any good choice that can increase my value. He just fixed it on us, and he says, that's what you're worth. You're worth my son. Done. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I, I played the game of, of, of weighing my behavior and trying to figure out whether or not I'm good enough or am I do this right. Was my behavior great today? Was it, you know, at the end of the day, that, <laughs> that old-time religion thing where you're like, <laughs> you're, you're confessing, every, you're like, man, I hope I don't go to hell. In my, I hope I don't die in my sleep and I'll go to hell because, you know, I want to make sure I confess every sin. Every little thing I might have done wrong, I thought a rude thing. I thought, you know, didn't open the door for that lady at the grocery store. I let it slam because I, I was in a hurry. Somebody cut me off in traffic, and I thought a cuss word. I know nobody in this room does that, but... <laughs> and listen, when, when I say this, I, I am not making an excuse for, for bad behavior. But I am saying... That it's, it's, not, it's not dependent on my behavior on, on how much he loves me or how valuable I am to him. 
He fixed that price upon us. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He fixed that price, that value upon us before we were ever thought of by anybody but him. Like he had already applied that value to our lives. Did you, do, you, do you know really it didn't happen 2,021 years ago in his mind? It happened before the foundation of the world when he chose us in him. That's when it happened. He's like, this is how valuable you are. This is the plan I already have. It's done. <laughs> that, that's why when God speaks to me, it's not, it's not a prophetic word. <laughs> it's a statement. <laughs> this is happening, right? Because he doesn't just speak in hope. He, he speaks to, and he, he sees things. He sees them finished. And he saw you and I finished, and he still does through Jesus. And he says, this is what you're worth. Will you apply? Will you believe this yourself? So that this culture can change everything that's in your thinking. And when it does that, it will be displayed to those that are around you. And when I display what a culture of honor is, because I walk in it, because I've applied that value to myself, it will cause me to do what Isaiah 60 says, to arise and shine. Not arise and reflect. Arise and shine. And when I shine, it spotlights or shows the value of that person that's in front of me or those people that are around me. It sees past all the dirt, all the junk, and it goes right to the gold. And it gives them an opportunity to actually see the value that the Father placed upon them so that they can get completely free to walk as they were created to be. We're changing culture one life at a time. All right? We're not waiting for culture to change because somebody made a law or who's in the White House. All that's valuable. But the church was created to change culture around us everywhere that we go and be a demonstration of what it looks like. We get that privilege. There's no pressure in that. It's all, it's all, it's all a privilege. And one of the other things I do practically as I, as I close is... Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow, flows the springs of life. Or another translation says, Guard your heart. <clears throat> this is some review from Wednesday night, but it's, it's important to hear it more than once sometimes. At least I know it is for me. Guarding your heart doesn't mean protecting it once you have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus protects my heart. I love with my heart wide open. That's what I was made to do. And that's why healing flows constantly into me. Because loving heart wide open means that I will get hurt at times. But it can't stop me from loving that way because that's what I was made for. And so I'm not, pay, I'm not guarding my heart. Look at it. There's two different ways you can view that scripture. If you don't look at it like that. Is that I can pay attention to what's going on inside of me. Make sure there's not any unforgiveness or bitterness or any of that stuff there. Or... I look at it like this, is that I can focus on what the Father's actually already poured out in my heart. Romans 5.5 5 says, For the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So what if I focused on what was already there, placed in there by the Father? What would that do to me? Whatever I focus on, there's a kingdom principle or biblical principle. It's the law of magnification. Whatever I focus on gets bigger. If I focus on that that's been poured out of my heart, that is going to fill up my 
my focus is going to be my view. Have you ever meditated on a problem or some kind of conflict that you had? And then, and then after so long, it just consumed you. <laughs> it was, all, and then you're having these conversations and arguments in your head that you never say out loud, but you're just, you know, sometimes they feel feel pretty good. And <laughs> things you'd never say, but you're like, oh, really giving it to somebody. That thing has consumed, and I've done, I've done it so many times. That thing has consumed us, and it's become the focal point, and so it's been magnified. And now it seems like this ginormous situation when it wasn't at the beginning. If I would have just dealt with it right then or not focused on it. <laughs> and so, this, so if it will work for things that are negative, it definitely works for things that God has poured out in our hearts. Like the love of the Father that's in there. Like the fruit of the Spirit that are all byproducts of love. That joy, that peace, that kindness, that gentleness, gentleness. The humility that's on the inside of us because the most humble one is in there, Jesus. The abundant life that we live out of because the one who is life is in us. All, all those things, the boldness, the courage that's in there that sometimes we don't feel, but it's there because the lion of the tribe of Judah is in there. <laughs> How could I not be bold and courageous? <laughs> Stop letting other things define us. And let, let, let's let him define us and what he's placed on the inside of me. And so when I'm able to, to focus on those things that... In, in, it's Ephesians 2.10. It says that we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It says that in the NLT. In other translations, it says we are his, we are his workmanship. We're his creation. Do you, do you know that he doesn't say that about any other part of his creation, that they're a masterpiece? He doesn't say that about anything that he made besides us. <laughs> I know you've seen some of his work. <laughs> he's, he's quite good at it. <laughs> he's a pretty good artist, right? And if he says that we are a masterpiece, can you imagine the value that he has on each one of our lives? that he has entrusted us with his love poured out in our hearts, that he's given us of himself, God in us and upon us, Emmanuel, the Holy Spirit. He thinks a whole lot about us. He really does. And I, and I believe that it's time for us to think that way about ourselves. You could say, man, I don't know, that might make me prideful. If that makes me prideful, it just shows that I don't know who I actually am. Because I have forgotten the only thing that got me into this place is grace. That's the only way I got in. <laughs> grace and a whole lot of mercy. So it, it, it completely squashes, destroys, annihilates anything that could resemble pride. When I remember that I didn't do anything for this. And that me actually valuing myself the way that he values me creates a culture in me and then becomes contagious to those that are around me so that that culture can be created in my family, my kids, in their schools, in, the, in your workplaces. Everywhere that you go, you're carrying that culture with you. And it's more powerful than anything that the world has created, anything that the enemy has created. It's light, and light destroys darkness. You remember when you turned the switch on to turn the lights on? You know what happened to the dark? 
there was no wrestling match. It left. <laughs> That's what happens when you walk into the room. Darkness leaves. It's the culture you carry. It's who you are. So if you would stand with me. Let me give you a practical thing. This is what I've been doing to see how well I'm, I'm valuing myself or loving me. I pay attention to my self-talk. What do I say to me that nobody else hears? All right, I, had, I heard Wendy Backlund say, if you wouldn't counsel somebody else with it, don't counsel yourself with it. Not stupid because you made a mistake or a poor choice. Just made a mistake or a poor choice. Remember, it doesn't define you. He does. <clears throat> My behavior doesn't define me. The Father does. So I pay attention to those things that are going on. And some of those thoughts, as Joe said on Wednesday night, some of those thoughts that come into my mind about me aren't, aren't from me. <laughs> i got to remember that too. <laughs> that the enemy would love for me to partner with some of those negative things that, that's going through the airwaves that I'm catching. And he's just, you know, he's just, it's like throwing mud, seeing what will stick. And he's seeing if I'll, I'll, I'll come into agreement with him. If I come into it when I... I come into agreement with a lie and power the liar. I'm not going to empower him anymore. Because when I hear something negative, I know the source of it. All right? When I hear something that doesn't sound like love, that doesn't draw me closer to the Father, it's not from him. It's not from the Father. It's either from the other guy or because I've, I've actually st I've had a culture in me that's created negative self-talk where I beat myself up because I value myself based upon my behavior. Today's a day for freedom from that. It's not what we were made for. That's why it makes it so difficult to live that way. It's unnatural for us. And so, Father, thank you so much for what you are doing in the hearts of every person here, every person watching. Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you disrupt, uh, interrupt, destruct everything that's in us that's not that's not kingdom culture. The negative self-talk, the lies that we have believed, I thank you for dislodging them, uprooting them. I thank you for replacing them with truth. Would you come and would you remind us in this moment, would you give each person a personal revelation of who they are in you, of how valuable they are to you, that they are, that we are your masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we are your favorite ones. We are your beloved sons and daughters. Help us to see and hear exactly the way it is that you think about us through your word, through our time and in prayer and in worship. Help us to make declarations out of the truth that you think about us. Help us to add the value or place the correct value upon ourselves that comes only through Jesus. Father, we thank you for purchasing our freedom with the blood of your Son. With your Son's life, thank you for paying our ransom 
when we were incarcerated to sin and darkness. You thought about us. You said, I didn't make them to be that way. I'm going to send the solution. So thank you for sending the solution, Jesus, for us. Thank you for inviting us into the more right now. Thank you for taking us deeper in intimacy and allowing only you to satisfy us. Bring our awareness to a whole new level of the things that we are trying to drink from that don't satisfy. And thank you for continually pointing us to yourself to drink from you and you alone so that we can fully live from the place that you made us to and enjoy the people, the relationships, all of life that you've given us. Yeah, thank you. We drink from you right now, Jesus. We choose to drink. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, we all drink of one spirit. <laughs> Thank you that you never stop pouring. That there's a river that flows from your throne that we can drink from every second of every day. Thank you for that. Help us lean back in your arms and just let you love us. In fact, we do that right now. just choose to let you hold us and let you love us. We receive your love. We choose to believe we're worth your love because you said so. Choose to believe the truth. just might. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Holy Spirit, will you help us to, to take our attention off of what seems to be flaws in our lives, what seems to be shortcomings and maybe mistakes that we've been making things we've been choosing. Help us to take our attention off of, of those things and put them on our attention on you and the value that you've placed in us and upon us. And I thank you that through that, things are going to shift. I thank you that through that, our minds will be transformed as we partner with truth. I thank you that through that, we will begin to allow you to be magnified in new ways in our lives. So thank you. Thank you for your help and thank you for your trust. Thank you that you, you trust us. I really feel like somebody needs to know that you are, you are worthy of trust. You are trustworthy. The Father says so. You are trustworthy. You can. You are trusted. You are already trusted. He has entrusted you with so, so much. 
are trustworthy. Thank you, Father. Yeah, thank you for what you're doing right now. I bless what you're doing in the room. I say more, Holy Spirit, more. Just a little bit. We want all of you. We want all you've got for us, for our families, for our city, for our nation. We want, we want it all. Would you create new hunger and thirst in us? you create new hunger for you and the things of you. Yes. All of you. We want all of you. We want all that you paid for. Every bit of it. We want it. We want it. I thank you that you made us to live from everything you paid for every promise let the fulfillment of them happen in our lifetime let us see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven let us see your will be done every realm of influence in our nation yeah thank you partner with you, Holy Spirit, and what you want us to do. What's our part, specifically, personally? What's our part? What's our peace? Now, thank you. you don't stop when we say amen. <laughs> we thank you for that. Thank you for every healing, everything that you did. Thank you for what you're continuing to do. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to Revive the World Ministries podcast. Join us each week for another message and listen to past messages by visiting us online at revivetheworld.org.